Hi, friends. Thank you for joining us on Food for Thought. My name is Sunil Chandy. I am the rector and priest here at Christ Episcopal Church, at, uh, and this is a ministry out of Christ Episcopal Church, and we're here in my office today, and again, we're with another guest from our uh, congregation, uh, Susan Dowd. Susan is a parishioner of our congregation, and uh, and has been a longtime parishioner, and, uh, and I'm just so grateful to have her here today with us and uh, to share her life with you and also uh, some thoughts about uh, life in general. And so if you are with us today, please do connect with us. Tell us that you're watching. Help us to know that uh, this is a meaningful uh, ministry that uh, is affecting you. And pass this, uh, this share it with other folks so that they may also hear some of the wisdom here. Um, so today, usually I, I begin with a, a food for thought, but because we're doing this in person and, and Susan, is uh, Susan is is very much involved with Bible study here at Christ Church. Yes, yeah. yeah, and so and so I thought that would be a really nice time to just have a conversation about mm -hmm. about this uh, about this passage uh, that uh, that I have before us, and uh, and then unpack it a little bit. It'll be like a little mini Bible study, and we'll figure out <laughs> the wisdom from it. And mm -hmm. so yeah, and so and so Susan's game, and so let's try this. Uh, the passage that I, I want to talk about is actually from last week's lectionary oh, okay. uh, passage. It's the uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to just go uh, into that first part. And so here it goes. It, it starts off, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand the worlds have been prepared by the word of God so that what is seen has was made from things that are not visible and then uh but i thought i'd just stop there because then then this uh, the passage goes on to talk about abraham and how he was the yes. an example of faith of of uh of of a faith that um uh, you know in in something that was unseen yet he he did something tangible with his life mm -hmm. uh through that faith and so um when when you read the when I read this uh, that first passage, uh, you know now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What do you think, Susan? Um, well, I think it gives you a, a foundation to um, to go forward on, to build upon. Yeah, and um, it, it's very helpful in everyday life, and it even more helpful sometimes when you've got problems that you're facing yeah. or um, a crisis of some sort. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think this is, those are beautiful thoughts, especially about faith, because faith gives you the structure and the basis, the foundation from which you could launch yourself yes. as you deal with a, with a chaotic world sometimes, oh. you know, right? Yeah. Um, and I love, and this Hebrew uh, epistle, this letter to the Hebrews, is not written by St. Paul, right? It's written by, most uh, scholars believe that it was written by a colleague or um, a colleague or a student of, of Paul. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So Paul, Paul, what he did was he wrote uh, many letters and he did great uh, work within the Gentile community. And what he did was almost like a, a Billy Graham type of mission <laughs> where he would have a team of evangelist working with him mm. you know from titus to timothy to barnabas and priscilla and aquila is uh two names as well and what scholars suggest is that this was actually 
this letter was written to the Jerusalem community, especially the Jewish community mm -hmm. in Jerusalem, um, Jewish Christians who have just been converted. And um, it was probably, and some scholars suggest that it was written by Aquila and Priscilla. Oh. Uh, Aquila being the husband and Priscilla being the wife. And uh, it's a really interesting story. We hear of Priscilla and Aquila many times in the, uh, in the New Testament, in, um, in, in the book of Acts, uh, they're, they're named and they're associated with Paul's ministry. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so this, this whole letter is kind of really sophisticated Greek and it's very beautiful language. It's, uh, and so that's why people might, uh, and it's not contextualized as much as St. Paul's letters are. But mm. That's why they, they thought it was somebody else. But here's the thing. I mean, they're writing to a community that's um, kind of worried, right? Yeah. They're in a, uh, it's in a chaotic kind of moment because this community, even though they've learned about Christ and they've accepted Jesus as their savior, nonetheless is dealing with, uh, pressures. The Roman Empire is coming down on them. Um, you know, you have Jewish leaders who are also uh, uh, coming down on them. And then, uh, and so some of the folks are kind of wondering whether we, they should go backwards. Mm. You know, it's kind of like this idea in, in Christianity of backsliding. Ah. And so Priscilla and Aquila, or the, the writer is saying, more than anything else, this is when we need to move forward in faith mm. and take a risk, uh. you know, uh, take a risk even on uh, and something that uh, a risk on promises of an unseen God. Right. Yes. And 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 so they remember people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob who are who basically uh, you know, know the effect of God and know that God is in their life, but then they're just basing their actions on that, those promises of God. Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes we, we in the Christian church have to be like that. We have to make, sometimes take a leap when we don't know exactly what's going to happen. You know? Yeah, that's, and we pray that it will be for the best. Right. But sometimes you have to go into the unknown with uh, courage and faith. Yeah. I know, like, uh, knowing you, Susan, you've, you've done that many times in your life. Um, you know, uh, I've, I've known you for now uh, close to seven and a half, eight years mm -hmm. since uh, for all my time that I've been here. And, and I know you to be a faithful, faithful woman. I know that you've gone through not only challenges, but joyful times. But always, there's a joy always about you in the midst well, of all of that. Yeah, well, um, I've been very grateful for uh, all my life experiences. They've not all been happy ones. I'm a widow. Um, but um, my husband passed away um, just as he would want to go. He dropped dead one fall afternoon walking the beach. Walking the beach. And to him, that would have been the ultimate. That would have been the ultimate. Absolutely. Uh, the joy. Yes. Joy, because he would have died on a place that he loved. Exactly. Yeah. And he didn't spend weeks, months um, being ill somewhere or being a burden to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. How did you meet your husband? And what was his name again? His name was Charles Raymond Dow Jr. Charles Raymond Dow Jr. 
Yeah, his father was the shop teacher in the junior high here in Westerly for many, many years. Yeah. And this was his, their hometown. They'd lived here um, for a few generations. Originally, of course, their Irish ancestors came to work in the quarry. In the quarry? Yes. Okay. Uh, as many Irish people from Westerly, that's why they got here. That was the place to work. Um, this was in, was this in the, the 1900s? I honestly don't know, but yeah. I would have thought even perhaps before that. that okay. That, uh, and the Irish and the Scots came to Westerly to work basically in the quarry. And then they, of course, um, grew from there and, you know, now they do everything in the world. <laughs> um, but so um, his father and my father each built themselves a cottage out on Atlantic Avenue on the oceanfront. And um, so that's how I got to meet the boy next door. So he was the boy next door. Indeed. Oh, okay. And we would see each other uh, in the summertime. Mm. And we would sort of ride upon occasion. Um, he was four years older than I was, so that when I was in high school, he was already had graduated. But um, then uh, in 1954, Hurricane Carol washed both our cottages off the beach. But since they had been very well built by his father and my father, um, they floated to the edge of the pond intact. Oh, wow. And um, we were, my family was in the process of moving from uh, Syracuse to Buffalo. Mm -hmm. My father worked for a company where if you moved up, you moved out. Mm. So um, I was in three New York State high schools, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. At the eleventh grade and senior year down on Long Island. Long Island. But we had five summers where we were next door neighbors out on the beach, and it formed a very loving relationship. Although we were both very young at the time, um, but then after we didn't have cottages on the beach anymore, I didn't get to you know I never got back to living or vacationing on Atlantic Avenue. But I had cousins that lived in this general area. And every so often, uh, we would come as a family to meet with our other families. And I would plant myself in a strategic location <laughs> to see Charles Raymond Dow Jr. And um, we eventually, uh, 11 years after we first met, married. And Were you married at Christ Church? Uh, no, I was married in my um, college town because we had moved around so much that I really didn't have a hometown any longer. Well, now, where did you go to college again? That was Oberlin, Ohio. Oberlin, yes, yes. And so he came out to Oberlin and we were married in Oberlin uh, in the Episcopal Church there, which is another story how I got into the Episcopal Church out there. Um, I'll go into that a little later because it's quite the story. Yeah. Um, so we were married and uh, he finished college in Ithaca and was a physical education teacher mm -hmm. and with New York State credentials, of course, because that's where he graduated. And um, so we lived up there for a while, but then um, he'd had enough of teaching school and we moved back to his hometown. And having been raised by a shop teacher, he was an accomplished carpenter and so he did that, but he was also a lobster fisherman. There was he a lobster fisherman? He was. Wow. Because okay. he just loved the ocean. And he'd been in the Navy while I was in high school. 
and we were in college at the same time. But and I was in Oberlin, Ohio, and he was in Ithaca, New York. Yeah. But um, we moved back here, and uh, he we lived here ever since. We lived uh, in the family's three-story home, well, three-family home that had been uh, purchased by his grandparents, actually, uh, on School Street. Uh-huh. And um, we lived there on the third floor uh, and with the rest of his family, who um, uh, one by one sort of passed away. And after, and my husband passed away. And I was coming home from work after dark into an empty three family house. Uh-huh. And that got to be a little scary. Literally, I really didn't like going into a dark, empty house like that. So I sold the house uh, and I moved down School Street and across the street into the uh, condominiums over there. Yeah. And uh, I've been there very happily ever since. Yeah. But one of the strangest things that I really didn't anticipate was I moved down a block and across the street. I'm in a different voting district. (laughs) (laughs) Go figure, Westerly. Let's go down right the center of School Street. I know. But, I know. Uh, no, I've been uh, very blessed uh, in, during my life, during all my life, all the things that have gone through my life. I feel very blessed. Now, was Charles part of the Episcopal Church, or was he? Was oh, he, he was Catholic? Roman Catholic. Who Roman Catholic? Yeah, and he was by his middle name Ray. He was Ray, Ray Dow. Ray, as Ray. was his father, who was Charles Raymond Dow Senior. But he also went by Ray Dow. Ray Dow. Okay, and so. Uh, and you had two kids, right? Yes. And um, Connie and, and Christopher. Christopher's the oldest. Yes. And then Connie. Yes. Constance. Okay, great. And so then, um, so then, how did you get into the Episcopal Church here? Well, that's another story. Yeah, no, I love that I story. I was uh, in college out in Oberlin, Ohio, and you know, you always sit with the same people at dinner time around the table. Yeah. And uh, so one of the, my friends said to me one time. I know you sing in the Baptist choir, but my little tiny Episcopal choir could really use you. You could leave after the anthem if you'd only come and sing with us. Mm. Would you give it a try? And I've never been to a liturgical church Church. because uh, I was raised uh, in the Baptist church, a very suburban Baptist church, not Southern. in Western, West Hartford, in, in Hartford, Connecticut, yeah. on Asylum, Asylum, Asylum Avenue Baptist Church was my mother's childhood church. Mm. So uh, we, I, even though we were living in Wethersfield, which was a suburb, uh, we still went to her church mm. up in Hartford. But anyway, there I am, uh, raised in the Baptist church, and I married into an Irish Catholic family. But one day, while I was still in college, yeah. sitting uh, with my friends, one of them looked at me and said, I know you sing in the Baptist choir, but we could really use you. And would you just come and give us a try? So I went. And I was absolutely blown away mm. with the, the uh, liturgical worship service. Yeah. Within six months, I was confirmed in the Episcopal Church. Yeah. And I've been here ever since, except... Well, membership-wise, I've always been. But uh, after we were married and we moved back to Westerly, 
he being Roman Catholic, we went to, to St. Pius for mm. many years until one day in the middle of mass, and I never knew why, he stood up and walked out. Mm. And he never went back. And I said, well, then I'm going to my church, my Episcopal church. Now, at that time, I know Pius is a very good community and we love yeah. uh, Pius, but at that time, I think, um, were you able to receive communion and be no. a part of it? No. So no. that was it. And you were bringing the children who would be considered Catholic. Yes. And 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 your husband Ray would be uh, definitely, been, yeah. But then you wouldn't be considered part of the membership, right? In fact, one of the priests once told me he was a very uh, understanding and actually loving pastor. He looked me right in the eye one day when we were having a conversation, and he said, "Don't convert to please your in-laws." Mm. He said that is a very personal thing for you. However, you are moved by God to do. Yeah. But then, after my husband never went back to to Catholic Church, he uh, sort of took up a ministry. He had a cousin here in town who uh, was not always well, and he would visit her. He said, you know, when he was not going to church, he would be with his cousin to be uh, her comforter, her yeah. company, and. I said, well, if you're not going back to church, I'm going back to my church, and your Christ church, and here I am. That's right. Oh, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. It is. God works and, in mysterious ways. And you've been coming to Christ church for how long now? Oh, I don't even remember how long, but it's been years. Like maybe over 40. Maybe. Oh, I don't know about 40, but yeah, many, many years. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you're also very much involved with a particular ministry in Christ church that was really important to us and is still important as the living supplies Indeed. closet uh ministry and and although we're we're right now in a partnership with johnny cake center and the uh, johnny cake center mm -hmm. uh, and you know where we provide the supplies not from our uh, uh from our you know uh site but rather at johnny cakes uh, because mm -hmm. it's so much more convenient for those people who are there and who are participants in the yes. program uh, we're looking right now for more outreach opportunities, right? And we're apparently we are. We are. We are. So how uh, how how long it, were you a part of the Living Supplies Closet Ministry? Oh, I don't even know how many years, but several. Several. Yeah, I was very much involved with the Living Supplies Closet, and um, as I say, that uh, I got involved with that because I started coming to be a member of Christ Church, and uh, I've been here for years and years. Fortunately, and uh, for yeah. us too, we just love your passion, your joy. Everything is great about well, you. Well, it seems to me years ago, I I think I was an usher for a while, and uh, then some day somebody said to me, "Well, you know, they really could use you in the office." Yeah, and I said, "Well, I'll give it a try," because I had worked. Uh, in offices that was after college i worked in in offices uh, as the you know the grand dame at the main door and uh helping various people do things in the office and uh, i was always the meter and greeter yeah and they said well that's just what you need to go work in the church office so i said all right well i'll give it a try and i've been doing it 
on Wednesdays ever since. That's a beautiful thing. And you're and always... I enjoy it tremendously. And I, because uh, it's something so worthwhile to do. Yeah. Even if it's just, you know, stuff the envelopes and answer the phone. But it, it leaves people free time to do other things that are, you know, really important. Well, you know what? And the ministry in the office is very important because what happens is as people come in, you're the first past agents that we have. You're the first people that, that uh, you know, so, so I've, you know, I, I've seen this happen where someone would come in, you know, brokenhearted, uh, you know, a loved one mm. just passed away or uh, they're excited because they're, they're just excited to set up a, a time to, for the next baptism of their baby yeah. or, or the uh, baptism of their baby, or they're excited about doing, getting married and, and they yeah. want to start the whole process. So you're the first kind of, uh, first pastoral agents that people come and see. And so you need to have someone that's like, has a generous spirit. A joyful spirit, so that you can welcome them and then guide them to the uh, to the places where they need yeah. to have deeper conversation. So I think it's it's so very important, and and uh, we of course need always more help in in the, in the congregation. But this is a, a wonderful ministry that you do for us. So well, it it is. I find it to be a wonderful ministry. Yeah, it really um, it goes well beyond getting me out of my home. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is a condo, um, but uh, it's it's something I enjoy doing. It's something very worthwhile, um, and it's what I have uh, actually experienced doing. Having you know been at the the front office in the the, the offices I worked in, you know that's that's what I do. Yeah, and I and I also love the fact that you know now it also is part of the community of the family yes. that you're you're part of. I mean. But I see you at the Bible studies, and yeah. and then we're engaging in conversation, deep conversation about who we are as a people and what what God is calling us to. Mm -hmm. And then and then meanwhile, you're also engaging by helping people as they come in to the congregation, looking for pastoral help and and maybe even just information about the yeah, church and yeah. who we are and what we're doing out in the world. Yeah. So it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. And then. So uh, as we're drawing closer to a close right now, we only have about a couple more minutes, but uh, you know, if you look back over your life of faith, what might be, um, especially as we've gone through this period of really radical adaptation, mm -hmm. you know, with the post, uh, with the pandemic yes. and, and, the, and the after period, and we're still in the pa pandemic in many ways, but what do you think, um, any words of wisdom about faith for us? Well, um, in my life, um, I, I find myself sometimes doing something I hadn't anticipated, nothing tremendously, but you know, just, and I think to myself, well, God, thank you for the nudge. Sometimes I, you know, I, and, I, I always think that it's God that's sort of given me an elbow in the, the ribs and said, all right, you know, pushed me in a particular direction. And I'm always so grateful yeah. that I have um, acknowledged and gone forward. It's never been, you know, giant steps. Sometimes it's just little tiny steps, but very often it's made a difference to somebody else. Right. Yes. And that is so gratifying yeah. to think that I've 
number one, that I acknowledge the nudge and that I have somebody else. That's beautiful. And that really hasn't, you know, it, it's God that gave me the nudge, but it isn't that I went to college and studied how to Seminary. do that sort of thing. But uh, I have been blessed most of my life with things like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say the nudge and, but in order to, and you said this also, uh, to be aware of the nudge is a gift mm. to discern that you are being nudged in yes. a certain and way. That's, that's, that I attribute to God. I attribute to God too. And that's part of the faith experience. It is. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Susan, thank you for, um, for being nudged in this direction, <laughs> right? Uh, at Christ Church. And then, um, and thank you for being a part of our community because uh, you're you're one of the saints in my mind. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you you just you're good. You have a wonderful heart, and there's a joy about you that responds. I I know to God and God's promptings, and so um, I want to thank you for. I'm grateful to God for you, and I want to thank you for your presence. And of course, this this piece of wisdom. Hopefully, you all will you think about it and. And consider it as you, um, as you think about your own life, how God is nudging you and moving you in different directions, uh, and also reminding yourself that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. So as our program comes to an end, let us join together. Um, uh, let us join together in our closing prayer. It's a prayer written by Bishop Thomas Brown of Maine, who, uh, who I met at General Convention, uh, at, uh, at General Convention, and he promised me that he'll come on over uh, to be on Food for Thought one of these days. Oh, and, and this was uh, this is post-pandemic, uh, post-Lambeth uh, con uh, Convention. Mm -hmm. All the bishops met in England uh, at Lambeth Palace uh, for the last almost two weeks, and they, they'll be coming back home now. Mm -hmm. And so... Hopefully we'll be able to hear yeah, some yeah. of the, his words of wisdom. But this prayer was written by him. Uh, and so let us pray this together. Absolutely. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Jesus Christ, you traveled through towns and villages, curing every disease and illness. At your command, the sick were made well. Come to our aid now in the midst of the global spread of the coronavirus. Heal those who are sick with the virus. May they regain their strength and health through quality medical care. Heal us from our fear which prevents nations from working together and neighbors from helping one another. Be present with those in authority who are making hard decisions. Support the medical professionals, emergency responders, and our counselors and caregivers. All this we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Join with me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Spread the light and joy of Christ to the world around you in faith because the world needs that light and joy now.
Thanks for watching. Did you know that you can join Christ Church from anywhere in the world? If you're feeling connected to what we're doing, email us today at communicate at Christchurchwesterly.org.